You run a kid activity center, a gymnastics, ninja, urban, or cheer gym. Maybe it's a dance studio, swim school, martial arts dojo, or perhaps an educational preschool. You recognize you need some help growing your brand. You're wearing too many hats. It's time to make some changes. Let me help you increase student enrollments and retention while decreasing attrition. My name is Luke Stokes. Welcome to the Student River Podcast. Welcome back to the Student River Podcast. I am your host, Luke Stokes. He even gave the double thumbs up there. Not sure what that was about. Glad you're joining us today. Today, we're going to talk about filling your preschool and your daytime classes. That's not always the easiest thing, right? Uh, it's easy to fill your evening classes when families are available, your 3, 4, 5, 6 p.m. classes. But your 11 a.m. classes, your 10 a.m. classes, your 1 o'clock in the afternoon classes, not really straightforward, right? In fact, a lot of you don't even open. You don't even open till 3 o'clock in the afternoon because you can't put people into them. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to talk about why that happens, some secrets of filling those classes, and maybe we'll give you some ideas of some things that you can do and expand and uh, and try out. So that's where we're headed today. So why? Right? Why, why would you want to fill your daytime classes? Well, some of you may go, well, duh, because it's more money. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but some of you are doing just fine running classes in the afternoons and the evenings. Ultimately, it comes down to your overarching why, your bigger why, because it's going to take more work. You're going to have to have more staff or you're going to have to put in the hours. And so there needs to be a why. You need to be able to legitimately answer that for yourself on why filling these classes is important to you. Is it is it just the money? And it's not about the money. I realize that, you know, it, it, it's what that can do, you know, whether that's giving back to your community or whether that's, you know, securing uh, your family's, um, you know, retirement or college funds or a new car, right? There's a lot of things that that can do. But my guess is a lot of you that get into this business, it's not just about the money. You know, maybe it's about helping more kids, you know, having that solution for the busy mom. You know, having uh, the ability to impact more lives of these little people. Those are all important. Um, and, you know, and I'm not saying it's either this or that. I'm just saying you need to know what your why is because it's going to take a little bit of effort, as does anything with business, guys. I'm going to say it again and again and again. Success comes at your inconvenience, it will not come at your convenience. And so, having to put things forward, new initiatives, new programs, new strategies, new processes. It's going to take more energy, more time, more investment. And you need to be really clear on the why you're doing these things. Otherwise, you're going to get burnt out. But there's other pieces to this. And the next piece that we're going to talk about is you really need to treat this like a business. And that may seem like a no-brainer, but I find that a lot of you aren't treating this like a business. You treat this like a hobby, like something that you do on the weekends. You treat this like, and here's the thing. I don't think you're actually intentionally doing it. 
Like, I don't think you approach this and go, you know what? I'm just not going to give this my my best effort. I think you don't actually know the difference. I think a lot of you get into this business because you were coaches at other gyms. You were coaches at other pools. You worked in a different studio. And you looked at the way that owner was running it and went, well, I can do it better than this guy. And I think you kind of happened into it. Now, you made that intentional choice, but you don't actually know what it's taking, what it takes to run a business. And so there's an element of learning to treat this like a business, but you're going to have to treat this like a business because you got into it either as a coach, which means that you didn't come in it, come at it from the, the business perspective. You came at it from, I can do it better than this other guy. Or you came at it from the business side, which I do see not nearly as often. Usually most of your businesses uh, in the kids activity space are started because you were the coach and you transitioned from somebody else's facility. But there are situations where the owner is a business person and they have many businesses. That may not be real common, but it does happen. And they got into the kids activity space because it's got this awesome thing called recurring revenue, subscription revenue. And when you get a customer, you get them not just for that one transaction, but 12 months or 24 months or 36 months. And it's attractive from a business standpoint. It's attractive as a business model to have subscription revenue. Um, Maybe you got into it just because you want to impact your community. There's a lot of good that can be done here. There's a lot of kids' lives. I mean, how many stories do we know out there of the coach, that one coach, whether that was a football coach or a basketball coach or a swim coach or a gymnastics coach that really changed the course of this young person's life and and molded them into who they ultimately were going to be. There's a lot of... It's just impressive when I hear that. And I... While I have never been a full-time coach, I have dabbled in it a little bit, I can see why that would be very attractive because giving back to the younger generation, I respect it a ton. So maybe that's why you joined, right? Joined. Maybe that's why you got started, why you set out on this mission of generating a business. But ultimately, we're going to cover three things today that are going to be really key pieces for you to not understand just for um, business sake or just for you know growing your preschool, your daytime classes. Yes, these three things are going to definitely help you do that. But it's going to go beyond that too. And these are pieces that are important even if you don't need to grow your preschool or your daytime classes. So we're going to dive into this. The first one I want to talk about is you can't do this on your own. And while intellectually, I know that you understand this in practicality where the rubber actually meets the road, a lot of you are trying to do it all on your own. You're trying to coach, you're trying to do payroll, you're trying to run the front desk, you're responding to emails, you're cleaning the bathrooms, you're, you're doing it all. And you just can't be everything to everybody if you want to move this business forward, if you're going to treat this like a business. I want you to do something for me. If you've never read the book E-Myth, it's a Michael Gerber book uh, and it is amazing. And what it does is it really 
lays out the, uh, the path for somebody that goes from, the book calls it a technician, but somebody that goes from the, the technical side, the person that understands what needs to be executed from the product end. Now, this could be the baker in a bakery. This could be the, the, um, the accountant. This could be, in your case, maybe the coach or the instructor. And it talks about how to go from that position to a position of leadership, of uh, being the CEO and not just the instructor. And I don't mean just, but it's a big difference. It's a big different, uh, it's a different state of mind. And so this book lays out how to identify when to hire, who to hire, what to hire first, uh, systems that need to be created, processes that need to be created. So I'm going to base some of my information off that book. But if you haven't read it, you owe it to yourself, to your business, to your families, to your clients um, to, to read it uh, so that you can really create a better system around uh, your business. We're going to start by saying you got to always be recruiting. In this category of you can't do this all by yourself, you always need to be in a recruiting phase. Now, that doesn't mean that you're always hiring, but you should always be recruiting. You never know when somebody is going to um, go to college, change careers, get sick, decide that they don't want to do it anymore. You could always up-level the quality of staff that you have. And I promise you, if you find a really legit person to hire, you'll find a place to put him or you'll replace somebody on your team that needs to be replaced. And so you should always be looking for that next person to hire. One, so that when that happens, you're not caught behind, caught in a hard spot where you don't have that person ready to go. But two, that way you're always up-leveling your talent uh, around your facility and always making what it is that you do better. But with this piece, you need to be very patient to hire. Hiring the wrong person is way more expensive than waiting and hiring the right person. I've hired a lot of wrong people in my day. And when you're hiring the wrong person just because you need the body to fill the spot, does it ever work out well? I mean, really? It never has for me. Maybe you're lucky. Maybe you're the exception and you did, you did a hire that you knew you shouldn't make, but you needed to make, you must make. It's always the wrong direction. At least it appears to be for me. I'm not going to say that universally so. Maybe somebody gets lucky. But you got to be patient, which means it's another reason to always be doing this process so that when you find the right person, you can, snack, you can snatch them up. So be patient. Hire the right people. Hire for culture before you hire for skills. Here's why. Skills can be taught. I, I can teach somebody, well, maybe not me, but you know, you can teach somebody how to do, you know, whatever the activities are on the mat, whatever needs to happen in the pool, whatever is happening in the studio, that stuff can be taught. Now there has to be a little bit of understanding there, but you're not, you shouldn't be hiring the person that's super proficient at that at the expense of culture. What I mean by that is, are they the right person? Are they the right enthusiasm and the right 
you know, mentality and do they interact with people the right way? And are they going to represent your business well? It This has to go way beyond just their technical skills of, you know, can they do X, Y, and Z or, or, or help the, the student accomplish the next skill set? If that's the way you hire, you will always be fighting the culture that you're trying to create. Culture is something that you create as the leader. And it's often not so much what you, the culture that you're trying to create, it's the culture that you allow. In other words, there's a certain element of people doing what it is that they do just through their normal everyday who they are. And it's the things that we allow that end up creating the culture more so than the things that we enforce. Enforce the things that we try and get them to do. So you need to make sure that when you're hiring that you hire from a standpoint of is this person a good fit for my family? Would I want to get my kids around this person? Are they going to represent me well when that person walks through the front door with a warm, smiling, friendly face and a and a and a a wave? And are they going to, you know, and each role needs to have a little bit different type of personality. But culture is everywhere. And you really need to focus on what you're trying to create at your business at your brand before you hire only for skill set. I think I've made that clear. Uh, I'm recording this from my house today um, in in the office, and I don't know if you can hear it or not, but uh, my kids are running around hollering and, and yelling. I'm hoping you guys can't pick that up, but if you do, hopefully it's not too loud. That's why I got this fancy mic to try and knock all that stuff out. But the next thing that I want to talk about is that when it comes to responsibilities, you can't abdicate responsibility. You must delegate responsibility. Now, what's the difference? Abdication means that you essentially say, all right, I hired you to run our social media. Go run it. No oversight, no direction. And you just essentially put it on them to learn. You figure out how often, you figure out what the pictures should be, you figure out what the message is, I'm sure you'll do a great job. That's abdication. And then if it doesn't live up to your expectations unsaid, then you're frustrated with them. That is not the way you lead an organization. You must delegate, but delegation comes with an understanding of what needs to be done. And I can hear you say, well, I, you know, I don't know what needs to get done on social media. I don't, I, I'm not on that Facegram thing, then get on it. If you want to be leading this organization, you don't have to be proficient in everything, but you must understand everything. You must understand how all the pieces work and what the objectives are and what the goals are. Otherwise, you're just randomly stabbing at it. So delegation can only happen by you first understanding what needs to happen and then coaching people on what those steps are that they need to take. Once you understand what those steps are, you need to create systems. You got to document it all. Now, this can be a little laborious, ain't going to lie. But if you don't do this, even if you have a real clear idea of what needs to happen and you go through the process of 
coaching and training them, walking them through this, if it's not documented in a place that they can reference, go back, work from, it's not going to be followed. It can't be. No one is that good. No one can remember exactly what to do on every step and with everything across all of their job tasks and responsibilities. So you must document it. Everything in your business can be systemized. Everything. From the way the phone's answered to the way people are greeted when they walk through the, f- the front doors to you know, the way a trial's handled to the way a class ends to the way, you know, all of it. All of it. You must document and systemize it. If you don't, you'll never be able to reach this point where you can proficiently hand it off to somebody. There's no way to scale if it's not documented. Now, it takes some energy, but you only have to do it once. Do it once, do it right, and then as that system changes, because it always does, there's always new learnings or there's always a change to you know, a process or something else that got implemented that needs to now be addressed, you allow the person that's owning that task to update the system, to update the documentation, to keep it current. That's part of their job responsibility. So you do it once, you get it out there, you document it. But then from that point forward, once they're learning it, and they're working off that documentation, their responsibility is to keep it updated so that if somebody's sick, somebody's out, you bring somebody else in to replace them, they quit, the the documentation's current, it's up to speed, and it's easy to fit somebody right in. Or if you've got to step in and do it and you haven't done it in five years, you can step in and go, okay, step one, step two, step three, and you can create a checklist. So you've got to document everything, you got to systematize everything, um, and... Then, even with that, you need to be okay with what I call good enough. There is never going to be 100% perfection in everything that you do. There's never going to be 100% perfection in everything that somebody else does for you. Here's why. You're the business owner. As the business owner, you approach things with a different mentality. You approach things with a different sense of urgency, a different level of importance, It's your name on the line. It's your business on the line, your money on the line, your reputation on the line. If you're expecting an employee to treat it with the same level of importance and enthusiasm and attention to detail as you, you're going to be disappointed 99.9% of the time. So you need to be okay with good enough. In other words, allow somebody to do something as well at about 80%, at about 80% as good as you could do it. Because if you tried to do two things at 100%, you're not going to get two things at 100%. It's just, you can't. You can't give 100% of everything that you have to coaching and 100% to you know the experience that's taking place at the front desk at the same time. It's not possible. You're a one person. You can't be in two places at one time. So because of that, you have to create the standard, but then provide grace for them to still be their own people. Now, that doesn't mean that you allow them to go crazy and do whatever that they want, but you do need to be okay with it being not as good as you would have done. Because if you can give 100% as a coach and they can give 80% at the front desk, that's still better than you trying to do 100% at both. 
because you're going to do a lousy job at both if you try and do that. And so providing yourself the room, the permission to not have everything perfect. While yes, you have systems. While yes, there is processes, right? While it's been documented and that will help all of this, still um, approaching it from a standpoint of grace and it's okay if it's not done exactly as you would do it, but it's good enough is still a good place to approach this all. Okay, so you can't do this all on your own. You're gonna need help. Start hiring, always be hiring, always be looking to up-level your staff. Okay, I think I've said enough there. The next piece of this is really kind of the key piece for filling classes. Okay, now you're obviously going to need help if you're going to have more classes or you're going to have more students during the daytime and the preschool hours. So that's why I started with that. But the next piece of this is really the key component to actually having people to fill those classes. And that's knowing your community. You have to understand what their needs are. And then you need to match your classes with what's going to serve them best. Okay, so here's what I ma- here's what I mean. Let's say you've got, and I'm just winging this. Let's say you've got a 10 a.m. class for, you know, three and four-year-olds, okay? Whatever discipline, whatever category of kids' activity center you're in, I'm not sure it matters, but there you got a 10 a.m. class for three and four-year-olds, okay? Seems pretty basic. But you don't know necessarily if that 10 a.m. class fits with your community's lifestyle. And every community is different. You know, a wealthy community where, you know, um, dad's away working and mom may not be the one with the kids. She may have social responsibilities of some kind and there's a nanny or an au pair that's taking care of the kids and they can bring them to that. But there may be mostly moms that are you may be in a, a community where you have two incomes and mom and dad work and kids are at daycare or whatever that might be. And a 10 a.m. class, no matter how attractive, no matter what the cost is, it's not going to work for that community. So you can't just take it. You, here's what I see people do. I see people will go, hey, what do you do in your what do you do for your preschool classes and what do you do to fill them? Oh, great. That sounds wonderful. I'll do that, too. It doesn't work that way. What ha- what works in another community isn't going to work in mine. And because of that, you can't just blanketly apply all of this data that you read on the internet and instructions that you get from other seminars and owners as gospel. Yes, it helps, and it gives you an idea of what are the things that you can test. But ultimately, you're going to have to know your community. You got to be intimate with that community. You do this by surveying your current families. You've got a current family database already. And in my last episode, I talked about doing email. Send out an email and say, hey, I'm, I'm looking at starting a few morning classes. What times of day and what ages of kids would make the most sense for you guys? Or midday or whatever that is. So you could survey your current families. That's going to be your best bet to understand what's going on. These people are already coming to you. Uh, you can ask questions at community events, right? If you've got a table set up at a little, you know, a little community fair of some kind and people are coming by and you're shaking hands and kissing the babies, ask them, hey, I, I see you have a, you know, a, a two-year-old. 
we're we're hoping to start a, a preschool, uh, an early age, a mommy and me class, whatever that might be. You know, what times a day would work best for you? And start looking for the trends where that would that would work and where that that serves them best. You can also post uh, questions, post polls within like local Facebook groups. I, I don't. I can't imagine that your community is any different than mine. Uh, we live in a small little town here, and yet we have a very vibrant local community page, local f- uh, community Facebook group. And there's always conversation going on in there about, hey, how would you? Does anybody have any ideas on what I could do with my kids tomorrow from ten to noon? You know, I'm looking to get them involved in a few things. And so there's there's lots of opportunity to collect data out there. You just have to go and find it and then ask those questions. Go to those forums. Go to those Facebook groups and ask those moms, those people in those groups, what, are, what would work for them? So you've got to know the community and what they need. And then you need to be able to staff and adjust your schedules to fit them, right? You, 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 but you're not going to fit them all. Don't, don't confuse me or or don't, don't, don't get me wrong. You're, you're not going to be able to serve everyone all the time. You're looking for patterns, right? Uh, One time's a trigger. The second time's a coincidence. The third time's a pattern. So if you start seeing that, hey, this 10 to 9, the 10 to 9, that would be amazing. Um, This, you know, 9 to 10 slot seems to be really popular or the 11 to 1230 slot or, you know, that you get the idea, right? You start looking for patterns and then you have to be willing to adjust your calendar, adjust your schedules, test new things out to get people to come in to... Uh, to come and take these classes. Um, you're only going to be able to certain, serve a certain amount, so don't try and do this for everybody. Um, and then you may even need to be able to go outside the box beyond that. This isn't just about, hey, you know, you run a gymnastics gym and you want to run a mommy and me class from 10 to 11 a.m. You may have to get a little bit more creative than that. You know, you may have to create a mom's morning errand run class where it's a two-hour drop-off session where moms can come and drop their kids off with you from 9 a.m. after they drop the kids, the older kids off of school to 11 a.m. They give you a small drop-in fee and you have somebody watch, every, watch all the kids and mom gets to go run errands or have time to herself, right? Um, you know, so it's not so, so much of a long uh, time frame that you have to worry about daycare and other insurances, but you create an environment where you're facilitating something that mom needs, Right, so maybe it's a mom's morning errand run. Maybe it's an after-school program. Maybe it's, you know, the the nap time hours. There's lots of different ways that you can go about it, but you're going to have to be a bit creative in this and come up with ways to serve your current community. Now, once we uh, we know how we're going to staff it and we understand what kind of classes we're going to create, the next thing is we've got to get the word out. And guys, this is an important one marketing this isn't going to be optional. Word of mouth is not going to be enough. You're going to hear that a lot in this podcast. It's a great place to start, but it's not going to be enough long-term. Marketing is something that you need to plan on doing all the time, every month of the year. Yes, even in your summer months when you're busy or slow, depending on your industry, and around Christmas, again, when you're busy or slow, depending on your industry, This is something that is always taking place, always getting the word out, 
always telling people about what it is that you guys do. And no, this isn't just updating your status on Facebook and boosting a post. No, that's not going to cut it. Um, that's something that you can try and you may be able to test that out. But ultimately, this is going to be more than just relying on people telling other people. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm not getting, I'm not going to get deep into what those other things are, but I just want to get your mind around the fact that if you're wanting to treat this like a business, if you're wanting to actually fill your daytime classes, fill all your preschool spots, have a mommy and me class set, you're going to have to promote that. You're going to have to get the word out. And that can sometimes take a bit of mind shift, a bit of transition to, okay, time to treat this like a business. Every big business in the world, as in everyone, has a marketing team. Now, you don't need to start with a marketing team, but you have to plan on marketing. It's going to take money. You're going to have to put some energy into this, either with actual dollars, meaning you know, you're, you're taking your dollars and investing in Facebook ads or Instagram or YouTube or Snapchat or whatever that might be, or you're going to have to put sweat equity, which means you out there hustling, you doing the community events, you getting door hangers printed up and go and hanging them on every door in the neighborhood that talks about the new, you know, mom's errand run class that's, that's available at the local, you know, studio. You're going to have to put some energy into this, whether it's with your dollars or with your sweat, but this is not going to be an optional one. Competition is only increasing. It's Kids' activities are only getting more popular. There's a new one every day, and there's always a new person popping up around the corner that is looking to take your business away. If you're not getting the word out, guess what? They are, and they're going to win. And so you just need to be prepared that this is going to take money or energy to, to make this happen. So settle into it and plan on investing in growing this program. All right. So if you want to fill your daytime classes, if you want to fill your preschool classes, if you want to have the younger kids coming and overflowing you, it's got to start with making sure that you know your community. You need to know what your community needs what classes, what times of day, what hours, I guess that's the same as time of day, (laughs) you know, what days of the week, what ages that needs to represent and what additional services that needs to provide, what, what need to be provided to help mom facilitate that. Okay. You need to be hiring for it always and continually, not just for this program, but for all, all your programs. For new front desk staff, are you telling me that you can't upgrade someplace the, the the your your job roles in some places? Yes, hiring and firing is a part of being a business owner. It's an uncomfortable part of being a business owner for a lot of people, but it is a part of this. And if you find a better person to fill the role, let the other person go and bring in the new one. This is something that's just going to be a part of this equation is making sure you create the culture and the staff and the environment that people want to come and be a part of. That's on you, business owner. It's not going to happen by default because if you don't plan to do it and do it intentionally, what happens by default is lousy and a result that you're not going to like. So this needs to be an ongoing intentional process. And then thirdly, got to get the word out. 
You got to be marketing it, pushing it, talking about it. And that can take a number of different forms, but it needs to be an active pursuit of getting the message out to the community that, Hey, I've got a class that's going to serve you mom. And here it is. And come enjoy what it is that we do because you're going to love it here. And once you walk in through these doors, you're not going to be able, you're not going to want to leave. And if you do these things, you will fill your daytime classes. You will have people coming in and the word of mouth will only get amplified because they're going to start to tell other people about this. They're going to tell other moms with kids of the same age to come in and check this out. It's going to happen. And so uh, that's going to be the overflowing benefit of, uh, of this process is the word of mouth and the referral base. But you're going to have to invest in getting the initial flow in and getting those people in. I hope this helped you a little bit to maybe redefine some of those things uh, that you need to get in place to to do this. Um, I would love to have your feedback on this. If you have other ideas, please leave comments. Um, I look forward to chatting with you next week. Thanks for joining us today. 